Welcome to the Mercy Hill Church Podcast. This podcast is a collection of sermons and conversations intended to stir up your affections for Jesus. We hope this content helps you know and tell the story of Jesus better. If you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 15. Uh, here at Mercy Hill, what we love to do is just teach through the scripture a uh, little bit by little bit. And uh, my goal every time I stand up here is to make it very plain uh, what the original meaning, the main idea of the text is. And so that's what we're going to do together. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. <clears throat> uh, the Nichols family uh, has had kind of a wild couple of weeks. Uh, so everything in our family broke over the past two weeks. We had our uh, refrigerator leaking. Uh, we were able to get that fixed. Uh, and then we realized there was another issue. Our dishwasher was leaking. Uh, but the crazy thing about that was there's a moisture barrier under the engineered hardwood at our house. And so that water was just going straight through the subfloor. Uh, it never came through. And so it might have been leaking for months and months and months. We have no idea. So we got floors ripped up, fans everywhere. Uh, a tree fell in our backyard, broke the fence. Uh, the gate broke as well, unrelated. That was just for fun. Uh, and then Hudson broke his arm. Uh, and so it has been a week of everything breaking in our house. Uh, I'm sure you've had some times like that before. <clears throat> So in the middle of that, uh, I've been hand washing the dishes uh, because the dishwasher, while it's in, the new one's in our garage, couldn't be installed because again, we got fans everywhere all over our kitchen. Uh, So I'm hand washing some ditches and uh, all of a sudden Kristen says, Brandon, there's water pouring out from underneath uh, the, the sink. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Well, sure enough, Uh, We'd taken the dishwasher out, uh, but not capped uh, the hot water line. And even though the hot water was off and I was using the cold water, there's still water pouring through that thing. Uh, but, but I, uh, originally I got under there and, you know, I, I'm pulling stuff out because, um, I don't know what the cabinet underneath the sink at your house looks like, uh, but it looks kind of like the junk drawer. Uh, you know what I mean? Like for ours, so I'm pulling stuff out and it's dark under there and I can't see anything. And I'm like, I need, like, I just need a light. You know, I, I need a light. So I finally am shining my little, uh, iPhone light through there, trying to figure out where the water's coming from. And then, um, it becomes very obvious, right, where it's coming from. But have you ever had that moment, though, or where you just realized you needed a light? Uh, you just needed to be able to see something clearly before you could move forward with a solution. Here's what's going to happen in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is going to say, hey, in light of everything we talked about for the four, first 14 verses, What you need every day of your life is actually a light so that you could be able to see everything that we talked about clearly in your everyday life. The reason that what we're going to talk about today is so important is because what we've talked about for the past three weeks is just easy to forget. It's easy to forget. So let's jump in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 15. Here's what he says. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which, you, which he has called you, 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. For he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Starts out verse 15, he says, for this reason. What's the reason? Well, the past 14 verses, you remember, uh, if you were here, if you don't, I'll fill you in. He said, hey, here's the deal. Blessed be God, because if you're in Christ, he's given you every spiritual blessing that you need. And so he says, because you as followers of Jesus have every spiritual blessing that you need, then I'm going to pray this prayer for you. Because God chose you to be a part of his family. Because God adopted you. Because you've been redeemed. Because you've been forgiven. Because you've been given this promise of a great inheritance to come. Because your future is bright. Because God has done all of this for you, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. Now, why is he going to pray this prayer? Because all of those things, those immense spiritual blessings that we have from God are easy to forget. We start just living everyday life, trying to fill in all the gaps, trying to take care of leaks at the house, Messes happening at work. Who's got to go to the orthodontist this week? Right? Like, when my finals are happening, how do I register for classes next week? All of this stuff happening in our lives, we start to forget. We start to forget the realities of who we are. That as followers of Jesus, what's true of Jesus has become true of us. So the Bible says we're sons and daughters. We belong to God, adopted into his family. So the scripture says that we are blessed, blessed not not with a brand new car. We're we're blessed because we've been redeemed, set free from slavery to sin. We've been brought into the family of God. And that is easy to forget. So he's like, for these reasons, he says, I'm going to pray for you. Here's what he's going to pray, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in what? Knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know. Now that's the key phrase that this entire passage passage hinges on. The prayer is that you and I would know. Know what? Know in a very real way that we are forgiven, redeemed, adopted, that our future is secure in heaven, that we've been given the Holy Spirit to walk with us every single day of our lives, that we would know those things. And not just know those things like facts, but what does he say? He says, in knowing them, that we would actually have the eyes of our heart enlightened. That this would be a knowing in such a way that it illuminates the rest of our lives and we go, oh, that's what's going on here. Oh, that, that's why water's pouring from underneath the kitchen sink. Because I'm a doofus and I didn't cap the line. That, that this would become incredibly real to us. 
that we would be lit up by these things. Now, in the scripture, this word heart is not used the way we use it. We often use the heart just to describe our emotions, right? And so that's why we have love songs about the heart, right? It's describing our emotional state. But that's not the way the scripture uses this word heart. So often it leads us to misunderstand. The heart, what they mean is the very center of who you are, where your intellect and your emotions and your will all come together. And so Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus and his prayer for us is that we would know these very uh, unbelievable spiritual realities at the very center of who we are. That we would know it with our minds, that we would know it with our emotions, with our feelings, that we would know it in our decision-making and our will. That it would be a culmination of our entire inner self. We would know it in our thoughts, our desires, our feelings, and our decisions. He's saying, I'm praying that you would know these things at the very center because these things have the power to change your entire life. They have the power to change how you feel, the power to change how you think, the power to change what you decide to do. So what are these things then that he wants us to know that he prays for us? There's three of them. Here's the first one. You find it in verse 18. It says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what? What is the hope to which he has called you? The first prayer is really simple. Know why you were called. That's his prayer for you. Know why you were called. He prays that we would see very clearly with the entirety of our inward selves, our hearts, all of who we are, our purpose in life. That God saved us, redeemed us, brought us into his family for a reason. And that we would embrace that why in our lives. That we would know, oh, this is why I exist. What is that purpose? Just back up, verses 3 through 14. What's the purpose? We've seen many of these phrases. What? That we should be holy and blameless in his sight. So he's saying, hey, don't forget, I'm going to pray that you wouldn't forget your purpose. That God saved you, you became a Christian so you could look more and more like Jesus. Right? You were saved so that your actual character would change. Now we don't really love that uh, because what we want is magic God that we pray to that changes our circumstance. And Paul's like, no, 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 don't forget the purpose is conforming your character, that who you are changes. We already know that God's purpose is to bring us into his family, that we would live as sons and daughters of God. We already know that God has saved us, redeemed us, forgiven us. And what do we learn? That he's going to lavish us with his grace. We'll see later in Ephesians. The part of God's purpose is to include us in a multi-ethnic family of faith where relationships and fellowship happens across racial and ethnic barriers. And now his prayer for us is that you would know it. You would know this sort of purpose. Not random facts, not Bible, Bible trivia, not Sunday school answers to everything, but that you would believe it, embrace it, Know it in such a way that your very heart would be enlightened, that you would come alive. And when that happens, 
it brings hope into our everyday lives. The hope of belonging, the hope of direction and purpose. It's easy, right? In the rat race of the suburbs, to feel a sense of purposelessness. You and I do the same thing every day, right? I get up, brush my teeth, take a shower, tell my kids to get up. Then I get dressed, then I tell my kids to get up again. Then I go downstairs, start fixing the lunches, and then I yell at my kids to get up. Then they finally all come colliding downstairs. We divvy up lunch boxes, backpacks, rush them out of the door to drop them off at school. Then fight traffic all the way to work, get to work, sit down behind the desk, take a deep breath, respond to emails. Then return phone calls. Then meet with a team about a particular project that seems to be going nowhere. Then go to lunch. And then after lunch, come back, sit at your desk, and respond to the responses to your response emails. And then return the return calls to your return calls. And then you go home, fighting traffic the entire way. Rush home, you take one kid to soccer practice. Well, after you drop that kid off for soccer practice, you go back to the school, pick up the other kid from band. Then you go sit in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru for 20 minutes. Then you go get the first kid from soccer practice, shove Chick-fil-A down everybody's throats, get home, turn on the Braves game. Tell your kids again to go brush their teeth and take their showers. Talk to your wife for about two minutes and 42 seconds about her day. Then yell at your kids again because you don't hear the water running. Talk to your wife again for one minute and 17 seconds about who's taking what kid to what dentist appointment tomorrow and then realize that you're falling asleep in your chair watching the Braves game. And by the time you realize that it's already the third inning, you're like, how is it the third inning already? Then you go upstairs, put your kids to bed, take a deep breath and get ready to do it all over again. This is a life we signed up for, Right? College students, no different for you. The grind of going to school and work and balancing all of that. Moms, I'm sure every day you're asking, how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches do I have to make in a lifetime? How many permission slips do I have to sign this week? That field trip costs how much again? When we forget our purpose, it's easy then to start feeling a little hopeless that this is all life is and it's never going to get any better. Paul's saying, here's what I'm praying for you. You won't forget you have a why. You have a purpose. God called you for a reason. And this is not the sort of cultural calling that we experience where it's like, hey, I'm just gonna walk away from everything, move to Colorado and find myself. No, 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 no. God's purpose injects itself into our everyday lives. Because guess what? You can be transformed to look increasingly more and more like Jesus making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You can experience the joy of belonging to the family of God at your meaningless, mundane job. You see how much better this is? That no matter the circumstances that we often look to to fill our lives with purpose, God is like, I'm just going to change the why behind all of it. 
And so your home and your cul-de-sac and your work and your family become places where you can live out the very purpose of God. This makes you, in a way, it makes you, in a way, nearly bulletproof to the things that other people struggle with on a daily basis. When you don't have to get purpose out of your job, but rather you bring your own purpose into your job, it's free. When you don't have to get purpose out of your kids, when your identity is not wrapped up in your son being the starting shortstop on the baseball team, instead you bring purpose into your family and you go, I'm just here making disciples. And I can do this whether my kid's a starting shortstop or he's the president of the chess club. And anywhere in between, when the purpose of your home is no longer tied to your status in your community, and you have nothing else to prove, instead, where you live is about the mission that God put you on, it changes everything. And Paul's saying, this is what I pray for you, that you would know the hope to which you were called. That your hope wouldn't be fleeting, bouncing back and forth, whether circumstances work out in your direction or not. But it would be settled in something much bigger. Why? So know why you were called. Second, verse 18. Second phrase he says is, this is still the same. That you may know what? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And that you would know if you belong to Jesus that you have a future inheritance that is secure. That life is not all about here and now, that what you're experiencing now is not the end of the story, but there's more. That just like Jesus rose from the dead, believers in Jesus are going to resurrect to a new life. And so, like we talked about last week, we can know that our future is bright. If your kids forgot you this Mother's Day, that's bad. It's pretty bad but it's not going to change your future destination. If your boss was hard on you this week, that's bad. But it's not going to change that you're going to belong in a new heaven and a new earth with no sorrow, sickness, disease, death. And this sort of outlook on life is empowering. It changes everything about us. When we wade through difficult and hard things every day, loss, grief, disappointment, frustration, broken dreams, we can take heart. This is not all there is. I, uh, I left something off my morning routine that I outlined for you guys. Maybe there's some hyperbole involved in that. Uh, but the, for the past little bit, I have been going to Mike Childs, our executive pastor's house, early in the morning to work out. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a Green Beret, former Green Beret, design your workout program. It is not fun. I mean, I love it. I've grown to love it. Some days I love it. It's okay. It's okay, right? But here's what I've noticed about myself. We'll do a lot of exercises where it's like one round, two round, three round, four round, five rounds, right? Round number one, I come out of the gate like I'm ready to go. Rounds two through four, I usually have a different outlook on life. 
under my breath. I never say this out loud because I really do love Mike. I'm like, I hate you, man. I don't know why you're making me do this, but I'm quitting and I'm leaving and I'm never coming back here ever again. Right? And then round five, I see the finish line and I'm like, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what the number is, the number of reps or how long. I'm almost done. I'm doing this as fast as I can. Here's what Paul's saying. He's praying for you. That your heart would be lit up. Full of the fact that even in the worst possible moments in this life, it's almost done. And there's something much, much, much better in store for us in the future. Now think about at your lowest point, if in the middle of you, you knew with confidence this is not all there is. How would that change your life? So he says, know what your future holds. Know what your future holds. Third thing. Verse 19. I love this part. He says, know then what is the immeasurable immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And then it's almost like Paul starts thinking about how immeasurable the power is. Because this is all part of the same argument. And he just goes crazy, right? He's like, here's what I pray for you. The first two are short. Know the hope to which you've been called. Know to your inheritance. And then what? Know the immeasurable power of God at work in those who believe. And then he just can't stop. He gets so excited about this power of God in your life and my life. He's like, according to the working of his great might. God's great might. And he's like, that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He can't stop there. It's like, not only did God raise Jesus from the dead, and not only did Jesus ascend into heaven, then he's like, and not only that, but his power put Jesus far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that's named. Can you imagine reading this for the first time? What did he just say? Caesar is powerful. Jesus is above that. Then he says, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And... He's getting excited about God's power. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He starts with know your calling, that God saved you for this reason. Then he says, know your future, your ending. And then he goes, hey, and we got to navigate everything in between. So here's what you need to know for everything in between. The very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that God wants to use to change your life. So he says, know how you live here and now. That is by God's power. And he prays that you would know, have full confidence in, enlightened in the very center of who you are. A light would shine in your heart and go, hey, this is what I want you to know. Be convicted of. God's at work here. God's at work here. And it's not some tribal God. It's not some little G God. The same God is at work in your heart that raised Jesus from the dead, put Jesus as reigning above all things, put Jesus as head of the church. That's the same God. And he's at work in your heart in life. And so he says, Jesus is risen. Same power. Jesus is risen. He raised from the dead. 
Can you imagine the power infused into your life if you actually believed that the God who raised Jesus from the dead was going to resurrect us too? Resurrect us in the end, but that God could also work to resurrect our everyday lives. It's powerful when you're no longer afraid of death. It's powerful when you know that God already raised somebody from the dead and that he could do it again. So today, no matter what you face or what I face, we already know our greatest enemy, death, has already been defeated. Do you, you want to know something countercultural based off this idea? Everybody else is trying to chase youth, right? But could you imagine the power if you know you don't have to chase getting younger in order to be significant? Can you imagine what it would be like to live that way? Free from the pull? Can you imagine for me? I'm like, yeah, man, hair fell out, my beard's going gray. Big whoop. Right? Because I'm not saved by looking younger. I'm saved because God raised Jesus from the dead, and he's going to do the same thing for me. And I don't know, but I'd like to think I'm getting this hair back. And it's going to be long, man. You guys aren't even going to recognize me, right? I'm growing it out. My uh, knees are killing me. Mike laughs every time we do squats because it sounds like Rice Krispie treats. Guess what? Man, I'm getting some good knees back. And so are you. And then he says that Jesus reigns. Can you imagine if that was driven down deep into our hearts? Whatever you're facing today is not actually in control. Jesus is in control. I'm not in control. I don't reign, but Jesus does, which means that I don't have to fight for control of anything. In a culture where anxiety is going through the roof, in part because we believe that we have to control everything, know everything, constantly be connected to everything, comment on everything, and when we don't, we are failing. Can you imagine this good news? That your heart would be enlightened to the reality that your significance is not based on how quickly you can comment on a cultural issue online or if somebody liked your photo. But you're secure because Jesus reigns over all of it. And then he says in verse 22 that Jesus is leading us, that he is the head over all things the church. Which means this, that Jesus is actively involved in leading and guiding his people. That he has not left you. He has not abandoned you. He's not just like, hey, figure it out, bro. Do your best. But you and I are not alone. So here's what Paul says. Here's the prayer. I'm just going to pray that you would know it. 
not Bible facts. Those are important too. But you would know this sort of purpose, this sort of future, that you would know, know this sort of power in your life. And it really just comes down to believing what God has said about you already. Believing that your identity rests in who Jesus is. And that has transformational power. So guys, we spend a lot of energy trying to change every single circumstance. We've got a lot of strategies. I'm going to be passive-aggressive. I'm going to be aggressive-aggressive. I'm going to be timid, hope people figure it out. Whatever. And Paul's saying, man, if you want all of these spiritual blessings to be the reality of your everyday life, man, you just remember your purpose. You just remember your future. And you just remember who's at work in your heart right now. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to spend a little time just praying together. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As Mitchell, the guys, come, come back up to lead us in worship in just a second. Um, yeah, you guys, come on. I, I said that sentence in a very confusing way. Um, here's what I want you to do first. Think about how you need this in your own heart and ask God for it. And secondly... I want you to think about who else in your community needs this. Pray for somebody else. You can look around the room. Like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray so-and-so right over there knows this sort of power in their lives. I'm going to pray, God, you would remind them of their purpose, their future, and how you're at work. And the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is just think about somebody who's far from Jesus. And just pray that God would work in such a way that these things would become realities in their lives. So you just take a few moments to pray right where you are, uh, and, then we'll, and then we'll wrap up. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the Mercy Hill Church podcast. To keep up with the life of Mercy Hill Church, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We believe the Christian life is best experienced in community. If you're in our area, we'd love for you to join us. If not, we'd love to help you get plugged into a local church near you. Have a great week.